Welcome to the Girl Gang Craft Podcast, where we dive in deep to all things business, wellness, creativity, and activism for artists and entrepreneurs. We talk with impactful, female-driven companies and founders for an inside look at the entrepreneurial experience, where you'll come away with tangible steps to elevate your business. Are you ready? I'm your host, Phoebe Sherman, founder of Girl Gang Craft, artist and designer and marketing obsessed. We're here to learn together how to expand our revenue, implement new organizational techniques, and cultivate best business practices as we work towards creating a life doing what we love. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Phoebe here. Really excited today to have Champagne on this episode talking about all things photography. So she'll be showing us how to take self-portraits and a couple tips to take those product photos. But first, I just wanted to say a couple of internal announcements. We are really excited to offer a content class coming up June 6th. So at the time of this episode airing, uh, you'll just have a couple days to sign up. So we'd love to have you in our content class June 6th, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. I know a lot of people feel uh, really bogged down by the Instagram algorithm or sort of getting sucked into that that black hole of liking and commenting and not really finding much traction, right? Not necessarily seeing that follower increase or more importantly, that conversion, that money increase. So we want to make your job easier. That is our goal here at Girl Gang Craft. We want to make your job easier and we want you to make money. So our class, June 6th, will cover how to create content, how to borrow and collect content to make your work easier and elevate your brand identity, how to plan a month of social media posts in just one day, a month of social media posts in just one day. This is a topic so close to my heart as a Virgo. We are talking about batching content, getting it done. Yes, making it happen. And we'll also talk about how to write captivating captions, how to utilize hashtags, and so much more, right? Everyone is online right now. It is a great opportunity to polish up your online content. Now is the time to create a cohesive and dynamic Instagram to learn to tell your story and to make your brand speak. This is the chance to attract your ideal customer, to build a loyal following, and then make more sales. So the world is online. So make your impact now. This class is $37. That's it. And so you can go to girlgangcraft.com slash content class to sign up. Again, this is June 6th at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It will be with me, with me, Phoebe. I'll be hosting the class. And we're also hosting an email marketing class on June 25th. So a little bit more on that later. But if you sign up for both classes, They're each $37, but if you get both of them, $60. That's a $74 value. So we're really excited to be with you guys once again, virtually on Zoom. Feel free to email us with any questions about that. Hello at girlgangcraft.com, but you can sign up girlgangcraft.com slash content class. And we'll just have a little note from one of our sponsors before we hop into the episode. Repeat after me. Social media is not my whole business. Yes, we preach about creating cohesive and engaging content on your Instagram, 
Yes, it is important to tell your story and create community on Instagram, but Instagram is not your business. Likes and engagement are not the same as dollar signs. You want to get followers off of the platform and onto your website so they can convert, right? I see so many businesses just focusing on posting and commenting and they just get sucked down the Insta rabbit hole. But these ego boosts of liking and engaging are not money. And your job as a business owner is to make money, right? And here's a question. If Instagram died tomorrow, what is your business? Who are your followers? Do you have access to them? Instead of being so Insta-focused, think about gathering emails, emails you own. Right now, it is so important to be driving traffic to your email list so you can convert followers into customers. If you don't have a newsletter, start one right now. We at Girl Gang Craft actually just switched to Flowdesk, which we are obsessed with because the templates are gorgeous, easy to use, plus it is so easy to make funnels. We've got you with 50% for life on Flowdesk at only $19 a month. Normally it's $39. It's a solid choice, you guys. So go to flowdesk.com slash C slash GGC 2020. That's flowdesk.com slash C slash GGC 2020. We'll put that in our show notes. And Flowdesk is an SF-based and female-run company. So with clients like Jenna Kutcher, who offers her templates to you all, what's not to like? And if you want to learn how to build your email list for real, how to attract new signups with freebies and offerings, and then create funnels to convert your followers into paying customers, join us June 25th for our email class here at GGC. You'll learn what email software is good for your biz, Hey, Flowdesk, and how to get new signups and how to create funnels. Class is only $37, so you can join now. Galgangcraft.com slash email marketing. See you there. Champagne is a fashion photographer based out of Los Angeles and the co-founder of Buka Studios, an event space and lifestyle studio in downtown LA. She has traveled all over the world shooting campaigns for brands like Bando, Nasty Gal, and Charlotte Russe. Online, she teaches artists how to elevate the photography through showing a behind-the-scenes look into her daily work. She has pink hair, a cat named Pony, and a rainbow kitchen. She is the face that is all over the Girl Gang Craft Instagram and our site. She is both the photographer and the model in all these product shots. Fun fact, Champagne and I were supposed to shoot the first weekend of Shelter in Place for the podcast cover. I was supposed to go to L.A., and she was going to take photos of me in her space, and I had literally so many great outfits planned, and it didn't happen. So instead, my partner shot all of these podcast photos in my house, but someday Champagne and I will shoot. So welcome to the podcast, Champagne. Yay, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I am bummed that we have yet to shoot, but it will happen. My heart holds, holds that space for you. I'm ready whenever this passes. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. So I'm so excited. <laughs> yes, we'll meet face to face. But for now, we're on the podcast talking to the world about photography. So yeah. yes, tell us how you got started. You know, I think growing up, I always was intrigued with cameras. I had my mom's like 35 millimeter camera and took photos of my siblings growing up. There's a lot of old footage, camcorder footage of me like filming my siblings and recording like comedy skits. 
And yeah, I just always had this interest in cameras, but I always like thought it was like a hobby and not something that you can make money out of until I got into college and I had to pick my major and I decided that oh, film would be like a cool thing for me to dive into. You can make actually good money out of it. So before photography was on the horizon for me, I was more so involved in film and editing videos and shooting videos and towards the end of my college career, I started to dabble more and more in photography and shooting a bunch of friends. I'd meet up with friends and make them just dress in like crazy fashion outfits and shoot them in like backyards and in the school's arboretum, just having fun with it and just making dumb artsy fartsy stuff. And I graduated with a degree in radio TV film from Cal State Fullerton got a coffee job in Orange County, waiting tables and just taking photos on the side. And the more and more I shot, the more I saw people like interested in it and enjoying my work and recommending me to other people. And after shooting portraits for a while, I started to work with local boutiques, helping them with their Instagram and their product listings, shooting e-com. And it was just kind of like a slow step-by-step build from as a hobby, shooting portraits, and then shooting for boutiques. And then I started to do test shoots and organize my own projects. And people really love that kind of stuff. And it's just been like a slow build, I guess. And me reaching out to other companies and asking them to send me clothes and I'll shoot them and send them back. So I guess the short answer to that is it started as a hobby and just, I kind of enjoyed it more and more and picked it up and it's been like a slow build ever since. But I definitely was more involved in video from the beginning. And I'm a self-taught photographer. I, in the beginning, knew a lot more about video making than photography. And yeah, is that a good enough answer? (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. (laughs) So what does your business look like right now? Maybe before COVID and maybe during COVID. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. My business primarily before COVID was I am a freelance photographer shooting content for brands and boutiques, helping them with content for their social media, their website, their product listings, a lot of e-com stuff, kind of editorial, you know, commercial campaigns. And now... During COVID, you know, things have definitely slowed down quite a bit. It's hard to organize photo shoots with a group of people when you can't have a group of people together in the same room. (laughs) So it's definitely night and day since that's happened. But, you know, it won't last forever. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. What is Buka Studios? Am I saying it right? First of all. (laughs) Yes. I know. It's a funky name. It's Buka Studios. Buka. And it is a boutique curated lifestyle studio and event space in downtown Los Angeles. It's a studio you can rent by the hour. We've had companies such as Savage, X Fenty, Pretty Little Thing, Yes to Inc., and others use the space for their commercial marketing campaigns. We've also seen big bloggers like Officially Quigley shoot in space and take fun curated Instagram-worthy photos. We designed and decorated the space to be super cute and Pinterest-worthy. We have fun wallpaper, velvet curtains, plush furniture that you can move and intermix and make your own. 
It's just like the perfect little space for you to shoot for your blog or your high-level commercial campaign. It's very versatile in that way. It's literally so cute. I'm so excited to see it in person. Yeah. Where did that name come from? You know, it's just like name that has no meaning. And I think it just is a random word that we came up with. There's really no meaning behind it other than it just it sounds cute and it works and no one knows what it means. And that is exactly what we wanted. We don't want any, you know, meaning behind it. It's just it's on its own. It's doing its own thing. I love it. And you co-founded that space with someone else, right? Yes, me and Meraki Narrative. They're a creative agency also in LA area. And together we created the space, opened the doors to other creatives to use for their own personal and commercial uses. And what was that like starting the studio, finding the space and creating it and getting that all started? It was definitely a process. We wanted to make sure that the space had a ton of light because we wanted, you know, not everybody is savvy with photography or film and natural light is always beautiful. So we wanted to make sure that the place had big windows, tons of natural light. So any level of photographer could come in and use the space and not have to worry about lighting equipment. So that was big in our minds while looking for the space. We also wanted to make sure that we had just a cute curated space. We noticed that there's other businesses in LA area that are curated to look, I don't know, like on theme, like there's a 70s themed studio in downtown. There's all these like themed places. And we thought, oh, let's jump on that. We need a studio for our own clients and jobs. And it would kind of pay for itself if we curated it to look really cute and rented it out so that the rent is covered. And we also have a space for our own clients. So we made sure the place had just like cute furniture, cute decorations, and a lot of different little nooks and crannies throughout the whole space. So you don't have to, you know, a lot of campaigns, sometimes people will shoot one location, drive 30 minutes to their next location, hop out of the car, shoot against a wall. We wanted a a place that it's all there. Everything's right there. You don't have to drive down the street to the next location. We have about nine different backdrops that are different, but still similar enough so that your campaign looks super cohesive. So we wanted to make sure the design was cute and versatile. And yeah, we we found the space. Buka has definitely gone through a series of up and downs. We had one location before the location that we currently have. And that was purely based on we didn't get it in writing with our landlord that we could rent out the studio space. And yeah, so we ran into some like fuzzy situations with the landlord, but he was still super nice and like, let us get out of the lease. And we found a second location and made sure in our lease contract, it says that we're allowed to rent out the space by the hour and use it for events. And this space is actually twice as big as our first space and it's super cute. So in hindsight, it worked out and it it was all meant to be. And we love the space, what it looks like now. So yeah, that's that's a little bit about the journey of Buka. Amazing. So for our campaign, you both shot it and starred in it. Are you someone who feels more comfortable in front of the camera or behind it? Do you prefer either one? Do you like doing both? Yeah, so I 100% like I am 
so confident with a camera in my hands and I'm shooting another subject. Like I own that. I love doing that. Being in front of the camera has been a new thing for me over the last year or so. And I've been growing more and more comfortable with it. And it's been a process. You know, it's a hard thing to do. You're wearing a lot of hats. You're modeling, you're shooting it. I need to make sure my hair and makeup looks cute. I have to make sure that the clothing is on straight. It's a lot. But in the beginning, when I was taking like self portraits, it was difficult. But over time, just through practice and understanding what equipment works better than others, and just learning my camera angles and what works for my body and what I prefer, just over time, I've grown more and more confident with it. But I'm definitely still way more confident holding the camera. I definitely love being a photographer and shooting for other brands. That is like my brain just like feeds off of that and loves loves that as opposed to like being more of a model in front of the camera. That's not something that my brain takes to as easy. It's just something I have to like work with, I guess. Would you say that you got started a little bit shooting yourself if you were reaching out to people and getting their products? Is that something you were doing at the beginning or did that really come later? That came way later. And I think I'm still kind of tippy-toeing into that now. In the beginning, I was not the model at all. And I definitely did not openly sign myself up to that. I was not confident in that. I wanted to be the photographer. I wanted to shoot the clothes. I was still in the beginning, you know, honing my craft and like learning what editing style, what camera style I prefer as an artist. And most companies that I would work with would hire a model and we'd shoot the product on them. Or if I was doing my own project, I would bring on a model or a stylist or pull clothes out of the model's closet or my own closet. I definitely wasn't trying to be a model in the beginning or take any kind of self portraits. I think that required a certain level of like self-confidence that I didn't have at the time. And also I was still like not super confident in my photography skill at the time. And that was something that I really valued learning over my modeling skills, you know? That makes sense. Yeah. But so during Shelter in Place, you've sort of really (laughs) dove into this self-portrait thing with you and your cat, Pony. So I'd love to hear. Yeah, they've been so great. I mean, Pony's hilarious. You guys are great. (laughs) But a lot of our artists are learning that it is important to show their face. And sometimes they don't have a partner to take photos or they're sheltering in place by themselves. So they're trying to figure out how to elevate their selfie, if you will. (laughs) So totally. do you want to give some advice to our listeners about getting in front of the camera and also behind it at the same time? I would love advice as well. So yes. Okay. So I have a two-part answer to this question because there's a technical side, very like practical, what equipment I recommend and what's worked for me. And then there's like the emotional self-confidence side that I think a lot of people can relate to. So the technical side of things, I always work with a tripod. You want a tripod that is able to give you, I don't know, different height variables. You know, you want to be able to go low. You want to be able to go high. You just want a tripod that works and is adjustable. And what has worked for me is having my camera tethered to my computer, which means basically my camera 
is connected to my computer and I have a live feed of what the camera sees right there on my computer. And that's just been helpful on making sure that I'm in focus, or even if I'm not shooting myself, like the product is in focus. I make sure, because a lot of times if you're just setting up your tripod and pressing the self timer, you don't know if you're going to be in focus. You don't know where you are placed in the camera, what the composition is like. And if you have a live feed, or if you at least can see the images as you take them in real time, you can adjust your camera, you can adjust your angle and your settings as you shoot versus shooting a ton of images, reviewing them and going, ah, man, if I was only like two inches to the left, this would have been a perfectly composed image or I wasn't even focused the whole time. So you have the computer facing like you. Yes. And I've also seen other people use, there's certain DSLR cameras now that are super advanced and you can Wi-Fi to your phone and download an app on your phone and see everything in real time. People use their iPad. So there's different technologies now that you can do that. I don't have a super up-to-date camera. I have the Canon 5D Mark III, and it doesn't have Wi-Fi capabilities, so I just use my computer. It doesn't have like an app on my phone. Plus, I'm used to using my computer on set. I always tether my computer when I'm working with clients just to make sure the product's in focus. So it's something I'm already used to, so that's what I prefer to use. But I've definitely seen people even just use their phone and Wi-Fi straight from their camera so you don't have to like tether or involve your computer. But That makes so much sense. I've taken a lot of self-portraits. When I went to Bali last year, I took all my own photos and I had the like the most shitty tripod and the most shitty like self timer thing with just my phone because I didn't want to bring my camera. And I'm like setting up my tripod around a bunch of monkeys, you know, Um, (laughs) like putting my my phone in, like hoping that no one steals my phone. Right. And then like out in public, like other people in public. Yeah. With monkeys. With monkeys. I haven't done yet. (laughs) And like the self timer thing doesn't work when it's hot. So like your phone like overheating. Yeah, it just freaked out. So that was a whole thing. So then I would like try and like press the button and then like run to my position. And anyways, I decided that was not quite my jam. Yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you can definitely the iPhone works also pretty well with the self timer, but it, it is a little bit limiting because you have to manually press it and then run into place. Yeah, I had like a remote control thing that like attached to your phone, Uh, but it just, I don't know. It still wasn't. No. (laughs) Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Self-timers work really well too. I've used those. If I'm, if I'm not like inside, like in an indoor location and can use my computer, I definitely have a little remote clicker that presses the shutter on my camera if I'm like outside or something, but Yeah, I think technology has improved so much now that you can really take advantage of it. And taking self-portraits doesn't have to be as annoying from a technical standpoint. There's just so much that you can do now that you weren't able to do previously. So you don't use a remote control inside either. So how do you make it take the photo? I press the shutter on my computer and just have it nearby. And I use this program called Capture One, and it has this amazing feature. I got Capture One for other reasons. 
just because it just is so much faster with tethering and loading images. And soon after I found out that you can have a live feed of your camera in real time, I can see myself moving. It's like, it's literally a live feed of what my camera's seeing and I'm just seeing it on my computer. So it's been, oh. it's been amazing. Lightroom also you can tether to, but you don't have that live feature. So I have to take a photo, look at it. Oh, I need to move two inches this way or that versus capture one. I can see myself and just move really quick. It just saves time, I guess. Yeah, that's super cool. Is that a paid for program? Yes, it is. But it's worth it in my book. <laughs> is it monthly or one-time payment? You know, I think it might be a monthly thing, but they might have also, I know a lot of companies have like, you can buy it discounted for like a year subscription sure. or you can do monthly. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. So we have the technical side down. Yeah. So what about getting behind it for those people who don't like that? <laughs> right. The more emotional self-confidence as a photographer, I've worked with a lot of beautiful models, beautiful people. So my self-confidence is starting from a place of I've seen the most gorgeous people, the most successful people in the industry modeling. So when I, for, for the first time, stepped in front of the camera, I'm holding like, oh, I'm just, I'm just champagne. I'm, I'm just a photographer. I'm not a model. I don't know what I'm doing. I hold that insecurities on my back while I'm shooting. And it's only been through practice and doing it over and over and over and over again and learning what angles I like and I prefer with my body that I've been like, oh, like I'm kind of cute. I'm a little, you know, like, you know, you grow that little confidence as you do it more and more and more. And the advice I would give to people just like starting with it. And if you're feeling frustrated or if you're feeling insecure and low confidence is like, it's okay. Like, I think that's natural. And if you just keep going with it and learn what works for you, you're going to find beauty in that. And I've actually like, I think I've become more confident and loved myself even more through taking self portraits it's been a weird, interesting thing that I found that I didn't realize was there to uncover until being there in front of the camera and through this process of being shot by other people and shot by myself. You know, it's a real intimate thing, just you and the camera. It's, it's raw. It can be emotional. You know, it, it can be a beautiful thing. You can really make beautiful art with just yourself and the camera and at the same time, when you're being vulnerable, and that's scary, and that's raw, and it's something that you just kind of have to work on and just be patient with yourself and kind to yourself. There's been so many times, so many times that I have outright cried, broken down and cried after taking self-portraits because the thoughts that are entering my head are like, you're not beautiful enough. You're not a model. What are you doing? You're just a photographer. This is not for you. You don't look good. You're not beautiful. Like those are all just like negative ideas that I've decided to like allow into my brain. And just over time, I think I've held a more kinder space for myself. I've even had moments where I've, I've broken down in front of other people who are shooting me 
because it's just, it's something that's uncomfortable to me. It's not something that I normally do. I'm behind the camera. I'm not in front of it. And things that are unfamiliar, they're uncomfortable and you don't feel super confident in, but through practicing and just doing it repetitively over time, you just get more confident in. So yeah, that's a little bit of like an emotional battle and advice I would give is just kind of keep practicing, keep being kind to yourself, stick through it. And there's a beautiful lesson that you can learn if you seek it out and just like self-healing and looking at yourself in, in a beautiful light. Thank you for sharing that. Do you have a ritual before you get behind the camera or in front of the camera that helps you capture that self-love? Is there anything you say to yourself or take a deep breath or I don't know, anything? Kind of. I like to treat my self-portraits like a job. I don't like to loosely go into them because then I start to get frazzled and I'll start to look online for examples of what I should do. But if I have a game plan of like, I want this type of shot, I want to shoot it here, I want this outfit, I feel more confident in getting the shot that I want. And also I'll make it like it's, this is my day, you know, like this day is for me, for no one else. I love coffee. I'm going to treat myself to a latte, that oat milk, vanilla latte. I'm treating myself to that. I deserve it. This is my day. It's like when, when other models come on to set, I'm like, can I get you a water? Can I get you a coffee? Like I treat them well. I build them up. I have to do the same for myself and I'll play my favorite music. I'll dance a little bit. I'll do my my hair and makeup. I just try to make it like a fun, exciting thing for myself to like really enjoy because the moment that, I don't know, you just, you want to keep all the negative thoughts at bay. So you want to make this just a beautiful, exciting moment for yourself, I guess. That's what's really helped me. Yeah. So I, I love that so I much. Yeah. I love the coffee thing. I mean, when I you know, get photos taken of myself too. It's, I think it's so important to, you know, have a good relationship with the photographer and, you Mm -hmm. know, the photographer is lifting you up and saying nice things about you and like helping you pose and stuff. So you have to do both those jobs. I mean, you have to, (laughs) you have to like be your own cheerleader. It's true. That's so true. Yeah. As a photographer, I see people, I take portraits of people. I work with models, with non-models. And if I see that they're insecure or having a moment, like I definitely try to build them up. I tell them they're beautiful. You're doing great. I, you know, encourage them throughout the whole shoot. And if you're doing the opposite to yourself while you're shooting self portraits, do you think you're going to get like a beautiful, confident looking woman in front of the camera? No, you have to like make it exciting for yourself. You have to build yourself up. So yeah, that's a really good point. It is so true. I think that's really helpful too. And I, I think I need to plan a an office shoot for myself soon. And sometimes my partner takes <laughs> photos of me, but you, you have to catch him at the right mood. Like he has to be well-fed yeah. <laughs> and, he, and like he has to want to do it. Or I could just sort of like be like, okay, maybe this is my day to take my own photos and maybe I'll try some of the the tricks yeah. that you've just given. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny though. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. First of all, when did you start dyeing your hair pink? Uh, yeah, I think it was almost a year ago. I'm naturally a dark brunette and I don't know. There's just something calling me that was like, you need to bleach your hair and have pink hair. 
And I just jumped on it and did it. And it happened. And I literally looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, oh, there I am. <laughs> I love it. Like I had I I peak pink suits me so well. I had no idea. I love it. I'm not I'm not going back anytime soon. I love it. I mean, I think yeah, I think it's totally suits you. And I mean, I think it captured like when I wanted to shoot with you, I mean, you just capture our aesthetic so well, both as the photographer and as the model. So <laughs> pink is great. <laughs> I love pink. I love it. <laughs> okay. So you've shot for brands like Bando, Nasty Gal, Charlotte, Roos, and mega blogger Quigley, which I think is how I found you originally. Yeah, because she's also she's sisters with people I've loved who yes spoke at our conference and we love her too. Anyways, I didn't even know they were sisters too, which I think is so funny. I like followed them separately and anyways, they're both amazing people. <laughs> so, like, what is your favorite type of shoot? Or was there a moment that you were super excited for a particular job that sort of launched your career? Tell us about what kind of jobs you like and if one in particular stood out for you. There is one season in my career that I think stands out the most for me. And it gave me a lot of opportunities and connections to companies. And I think it resonated a lot with a lot of other photographers and entrepreneurs and just everyday people. And it was my travel trips that I organized in like, I think it was 2017 and 18. And basically I went abroad every month with an influencer shooting for, I don't know, up to like 10 different brands at a time. I was traveling quite a bit. I went to Paris. I went to Germany, England. I went to Iceland, which is like my favorite country I've ever been to. I just traveled all over the world. Oh, I went to Japan. Japan was so much fun. And I basically pitched myself as a photographer and took an influencer abroad and took a suitcase of clothing filled with companies that were paying us to shoot their product while abroad. I had mapped out four days of shooting, two days of fun, and fly in, fly out. It was like a week-long trip. And I did that for like two years, I think. And eventually I just got burnt out from it because it's a lot of work, just like organizing everything. But that was like a crazy time, I think, in my life that I can kind of reflect back on and go, wow, that was pretty nuts what I did. That's kind of cool. I traveled to all these different countries and got paid to do it. So, and you just pitched all these brands. You found an influencer, did the schedule. Can you tell us a little bit about the preliminary work that went into that? There was definitely a lot of pre-production involved. I spent probably two months organizing and emailing and then traveled for a week and then came back for a month and was editing that project and emailing for the next trip. So there's a lot of a lot of computer work, a lot of pitching. I basically hand selected an influencer that I thought would get along with me while we traveled, also who knew how to model well. And I pitched us as a team to tons of companies, just basically asking them, hey, me and so-and-so are traveling to Japan. We are traveling there as a creative team. We're going to this set of locations. Would you like to s send us clothes? 
and we'll shoot them. And these are our, our price points on what we'd like to offer you. And like, I got enough companies to be able to pay for each of those trips. I wouldn't say that I made a ton of profit or money out of those trips, but I made a lot of connections and I got to travel for free and I got to learn a lot of photography skills that I probably wouldn't have learned elsewhere. Just, I don't know, shooting on location and being quick and some guerrilla style shooting. You have to kind of be fast. I also learned a a lot about pitching myself during that time because in order to make these trips work, I needed to make X amount of dollars to be able to pay for the ticket and the hotel, not just my hotel and ticket, but the model's hotel and ticket. And I got really comfortable with hearing no. And I just kept pushing past it and just emailing and emailing and emailing and searching and searching for companies who would be interested. And yeah, I think that helped helped me in my outreach and pitching side of things. What was one of your favorite brands that you worked with on those trips? You know, I don't know if I can pinpoint a specific brand. I just appreciate all the brands that gave us that opportunity because fair. it was <laughs> such it was such a gamble for them. You know, a lot of these companies hadn't worked with me before. They also gave us this money up front to shoot these things without like seeing the location or knowing how it was going to go down. It was a big gamble for them. So I think I just appreciate that they were willing to say yes. And they were like, whatever creativity you want to do, go for it. You know, that's like when I get a company who's like, oh, we love, love your creative style. Like you tell us what you think goes. I'm like, oh my gosh, you, you trust me to like take on the creative. That is like, oh, it's just amazing, you know, to have that much free power to decide the creative. Yeah. That's so cool. Do you have a favorite location you went to? Iceland was Iceland, the most beautiful country I've ever been to. It feels like you're driving through like Lord of the Rings or I don't know, just some like I felt like I was on planet Mars or just some other world. It was just uh, just untouched, untapped and so raw and beautiful. And oh, I just saw like so many different terrains. It was just so gorgeous. It was absolutely beautiful. So is that sort of your general style to reach out to companies or are companies reaching out to you or is it a little bit of a combo? Can you tell us a little bit about that process? Yeah, I think there's a general misunderstanding in the photography community or even the I think this is relatable beyond photographers, but entrepreneurs and creatives alike that at one point in your career, you're just going to get all the emails and all the opportunities just flowing into your inbox without you having to put in any work. I don't think that's true. I think even the big name photographers still outreach and make opportunities happen for themselves. I've been freelance for over six years and I still make a large effort to outreach and pitch myself to jobs. My mindset is just, I'm not going to sit here and wait for my dream client to hit me up one day. I could be waiting like a long time. If I have that mindset, I want to just cut to the chase and hit them up directly. So I believe the best thing you can do for your career is just to be proactive and constantly be outreaching. Even if you're getting 
job opportunities and people are reaching out to you, like it's still good to continue to get your name out there and pitch yourself because even if a company says no to your email, they now know who you are. They've seen your name. And if they say no, that's not an outright no. That's just a no, not right now. So I take even outreach as like a marketing opportunity. I'm sending you like a cute little blurb email pitching myself. It's informative about who I am. And I'm showing you, hey, I'm out here. You didn't know I was out here, but now you do. You know, it's like, I think it's just always good to keep outreaching at no matter what stage your career is, stay kind of humble with that. Yeah, I love that so much. I'm a firm believer in making opportunities for yourself. I mean, we'd like to think even so at one point, I was sort of dabbling and trying to do the influencer thing. I'm not actively doing that anymore. But I think there is sort of even on the other side of the camera, right, this belief that these influencers are just getting sent free clothes, or getting offers to pay for the content, right? But there's a lot of work to ask for that to happen. And if you can't ask for that to happen, most likely it's not just raining on your doorstep at all times. So no. And, (laughs) you know, I think too, like you might get certain opportunities coming into your email, but they might not always be the opportunities that you want. So you shouldn't just like sit there and make do with the opportunities knocking on your door. You should be proactive and seek out the clients and the jobs and the opportunities that you want. Like you should be, you know, going forward with that. Even influencers, I'm sure they're, even if it appears as if people are just getting all these opportunities, I think people like to paint a pretty picture and maybe that's what's happening, but I don't think so. You know? Yeah. I love that. I don't think that's a healthy mindset to have too. I think no matter what point you have in your career, I think you should just constantly be proactive and make a point to outreach. And you don't want to just find yourself one day being like, oh, I just, you know, the work I've gotten is just the work that's come to me, but it's not the work that I've been dreaming of. Like you need to have that hustler go-getter mentality and go for what you want, what clients you want. Agree. Agree. Absolutely. Okay. Let's switch gears a little bit. And a lot of our listeners are makers and make products or produce products. Yes. And one of the things that I hear the most in our branding workshops are help me, help me photograph my items. (laughs) And, you know, I do suggest sometimes if you're able to get a photographer or, you know, find a photographer in your circle and offer them your product in exchange for photos. I think there's a lot of creative ways that you can do things. But also, I think it is a good skill to be able to photograph your own items. So what are some tips you have? And maybe we can talk about it in sort of two parts, because I think a lot of people have small products, and then people have like clothing products. So maybe we can talk a little about both of those. Yeah, you know, I think this is a great question. I'm so excited about this question, because I think a lot of people struggle with this for sure. And I think it's actually a lot easier than people realize. I think it's definitely daunting to look at camera equipment and lighting equipment and just shut down and be like, I don't know how to do that. But I would like to offer some really easy, tangible 
advice and suggestions that won't make you feel frustrated or overwhelmed. And you mentioned in your email about like iPhone and if iPhones work just as fine, I think the iPhone has come a long way. I also had a professor teach me that technology has come so far now that it doesn't matter what camera or equipment you have, the quality of all these cameras and even iPhones, like you can still make a beautiful photo on anything. It's just the creativity that you have within yourself and maybe like minimal understanding of, of lighting that's going to like take your image above and beyond. So if people just have an iPhone, I think that's totally okay. There's tons of brands and bloggers that are using iPhone photography on their social feeds. And it turns out amazing. You can't even tell the difference. I think though, if you're depending on like the product that you sell and the price point, you might want to consider shooting on a DSLR. If you're selling a $500 dress online. Can you tell us what a DSLR is for some of our listeners? Oh, yes. (laughs) Basically just your fancy schmancy digital camera versus like, I don't know, like a 35 millimeter camera, just your digital camera. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So if you're selling like a $500 dress online and you shoot it with your iPhone and use those images as your product listing, as a consumer, I don't understand why you're charging so much for that product. Like $500 and I'm seeing this as like an iPhone image, like I don't understand. I wouldn't want to pay that much money. Similarly, if you have an inexpensive product and you shoot it on a fancy digital camera, people might look at your product and go, OMG, $20 for this? It's beautiful. I'm going to buy it right now. You know, like photography is powerful like that. You can make your product look expensive just by how you photograph it. And the opposite is true for having an expensive product and a terrible photo. Advice for shooting your own products. Maybe you don't have a photographer that you can hire, your budget isn't there, or you just want to be able to shoot it from home. Some tips and tricks to that. I would say the number one thing to keep in mind is your lighting. Lighting is key across the board. You don't need a fancy camera. You don't need to even like edit your photo. You could be shooting on an iPhone. You could be shooting on a digital camera. It doesn't matter. Your lighting is everything. If you have bad lighting, nothing can save your photo. Nothing. I recommend shooting your product outside in the shade. Like that is the easiest go-to lighting setup that requires no fancy lighting equipment. You don't need a fancy digital camera. The sun is free. It's so bright. Just take your product, whether it's something small like earrings or jewelry or skincare or home decor, you can lay it on a piece of paper in the grass or on the sidewalk, just find like a shade, shaded spot. Maybe the building nearby you is causing shade or a tree. Just find nice, even shaded lighting and shoot your product there. If you have a model who's like modeling clothing or needs to hold something, put your model in the same kind of shaded lighting. You can shoot that on an iPhone and it'll look beautiful. You can shoot it on a DSLR, digital camera, film camera, it'll look beautiful. That is like the easiest go-to lighting across the board. And what about like backgrounds? Like what sort of things do you want in a background if you're shooting clothes? Or like I know when I do some of my own product shoots, I have like this Amazon box thing with some lights on top that I sort of 
throw in some objects and like my backing. Any insight into that? I think depending on what the usage is for the photo, your backdrop will differ. If you're shooting just product, like this is going to be a product listing on your website, people will just want to see like a really nice, clean look at your product. The colors need to be true to what they are in real life. I would shoot it just against something very plain, preferably white or neutral. If you're shooting something that's supposed to be like a website banner or your social media, you probably want a more dynamic backdrop depending on like the vibe. Some people, flowers are always like a great go-to. You don't need to like travel far. Most people have access to like, I don't know, trees or flowers, their backyard or a park. That's always a great go-to thing. And people always love flowers. I don't know what it is about flowers, but people love flowers. <laughs> also, if you're shooting something for like social or your website, I would say something with a depth to your backdrop. Instead of having your model stand in front of a flat wall, I would shoot your model with the backdrop with big depth. Like maybe there's a city in the in the distance or there's plants in the distance, just something to kind of separate your subject and your product from the background. So it becomes more of like the focal point and it just makes a more interesting photo. That's great advice. Anything else in regards to shooting your own photos that you want to share? I think it definitely can be frustrating if you're shooting your own photos. Maybe there's a learning curve you don't fully understand. And I think at the end of the day, my advice to even that and, and self-portraiture is like, you're going to get frustrated at one point and like, that's okay. And just like, keep moving forward and keep trying to figure it out. Don't let your frustrations get in the way of figuring out the answers. You know, that's what I would say. Let's take a quick moment to talk about presets and filters, perhaps. What would you like to say about those things? <laughs> <laughs> I think presets and filters are super helpful. They're great tools. I use my own presets all the time for all of my campaigns. They're just a great starting point on taking your image from its like super raw, low contrast, low saturation level to elevating it, you know, it's just, I think on all levels of consumers, whether you're an advanced photographer or you're just beginning in photography or you're not a photographer at all, or if you're just, you're just taking like photos on your iPhone and posting them, like filters are super helpful. It just elevates your photography. It makes things cohesive and pretty and neat. So I'm a big fan of presets. I sell my own presets. This could be a great plugin. If you want to get my presets, they're on my website. I have 30 presets that come in the bundle and I've specifically made them for people who understand photography and don't understand photography. I have different light modifiers to the presets. So you can pick the same preset and go, ah, oh, this photo I shot in direct sunlight. So I'm going to pick the direct sunlight photo or this one I shot in the shade. So I'm going to pick the shade photo or I want this image to be warmer or grainier, like minor super versatile in that way. And yeah, I'm a big fan of the presets. I think they help a lot and I, I use them for all of my campaigns, my test shoots, my commercial shoots, my casual iPhone photos. I love them. <laughs> 
So just a little side note for people who don't know what presets and filters are. So filters are something often you can get like on an app, Visco app, or like I know Tezza has an app and you like pay for the preset or pay for the filter. And then presets are something that you can buy from photographers or influencers. And then you plug that into like your Lightroom. So also, you just mentioned that, you know, you have 30 presets. I've always been sort of taught to stick to one filter or one preset. And that's something I teach. But I also teach that you have to learn the rules before you break them. But can you talk a little bit about creating cohesiveness on the feed with perhaps different presets? Yeah, you know, I think people believe that you you just stick to one preset and then you just have a cohesive look. But I think that's not true because the way the light is different throughout the day. And when, so the time of the day, when you take the photo, the, the skin tones that you capture, the different colors, of the products or the landscapes, like even if you use the same preset on hundreds of different photos and without doing any alterations to the preset, it's going to look different across the board. So just understanding that the presets are a, a starting platform and you have to tweak them. It doesn't matter if they're my presets, if they're someone else's presets that you use, Visco's, Tezza's, like all these presets are meant to be adjustable and they're just a starting point. And you can create a cohesiveness by just deciding yourself like, oh, I love, I love cooler toned images. So while you're using your preset and editing it, you're probably just gonna switch your white balance to more cooler and up all of the blues And you'll just kind of adjust accordingly from there and maybe just writing out what you specifically like in a photo, whether it's warmer or cooler, or I love low saturation or low contrast, just understanding those basic editing techniques and what you prefer will help you create a cohesive look across the board while you're editing your photos like today and tomorrow and years from now, you can keep that that same kind of vibe going on. And you have some tutorials on your Instagram, right? Yes, I do have some IGTV tutorials, just a fun kind of things like what you didn't know in Lightroom, some like photo tips and tricks. And I edit in Lightroom and I also edit in Photoshop. So I have some Photoshop tutorials as well. Cool. I have definitely watched some of them and they've been helpful to me. So thank you. Yay. So yeah, let's wrap it up. I mean, so you seem to do such a great job running a multi-dimensional business. You have the studio, you're shooting things for campaigns, you're shooting bloggers, you're shooting yourself sometimes. So yeah, any advice for our listeners who are starting or continuing to juggle multiple revenue streams and multiple tasks and projects? Yeah, you know, what I would say to that is the advice that I would probably give myself at the beginning of all of this is you don't have to do everything all at once. If you're ever overwhelmed, it's good to like take a step back and it's totally okay. I'm definitely the type of person who likes to put a lot on my plate and then I feel super overwhelmed. I have a lot of projects because I think I'm just that type of person I like to do all at once. And if you're also finding yourself someone who's like juggling a bunch of projects and different businesses, like just, you know, everything is going to be okay if you need to like 
take a break and take a step back. That's something that I've I've struggled with and that I like to put a lot on my plate. And then I feel like a failure if I have to take anything off of my plate. And that's just not true because we're allowed to take a step back, take things off our plate. You can't be overwhelmed. It's not good for any of your businesses if you're feeling overwhelmed at any point. So I guess that's what, what I would say to anyone juggling a lot of businesses is just having a little bit of like kindness and grace to yourself if you're ever feeling overwhelmed. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Champagne, this has been so fun and so informative and helpful. So I know our listeners are going to love this, but where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram at Champagne Unicorns, and you can find my studio at Buka Studios, spelled B-O-O-K-H-A. And I also have a website and presets for sale, but you can find all that info through my Instagram. And you can find our face all over our website. So (laughs) (laughs) that is true. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Champagne. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you to everyone listening. Yay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Okay, business babes. So let's talk about a marketing tool that not only has been making my branded content shine, but saving me time. And we all know time equals money. So if you're like me and be on busy juggling a million things while running a small business, I know that creating unique social media graphics and videos can take forever. That's why I love using Adobe Spark. With this program, I can create attention-grabbing graphics, videos, and social posts for my brand on the fly. Don't have a lot of design experience? No sweat. Adobe Spark makes a normally tedious design process quick and easy with thousands of beautiful templates, images, animation effects, and stickers you can choose from and personalize with your brand assets all in one tap. Plus, it's super fun to use. And if I'm on the go and want to take my work from my desktop to, let's say, a park on a nice sunny day, I can totally do that with Adobe Spark's mobile app. From editing to instantly sharing to social media or on my website, Adobe Spark helps me work better and smarter. And through June 15th, you can try out and use Adobe Spark for free for two months, which includes all the premium goodies designed to help you rock your social media and marketing efforts. Learn more and sign up at adobe.ly slash girlgangcraftspark. That's adobe.ly slash girlgangcraftspark. Thank you so much for listening to the Girl Gang Craft podcast. Head to girlgangcraft.com slash podcast for show notes and more. See you next time.